Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Matthew Weaver, one of the pastors here. Welcome to Vintage Church. Uh, whether you're here in person or watching online, we're so glad you're here today as we jump back into our Advent series called Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. And what we're doing every week before we <clears throat> open God's Word is we are lighting a different Advent candle, okay, to represent different things. And today uh, the candle is joy. Hopefully this stays lit. No candles fell over during the singing, too. I don't know if you noticed that. We noticed it over here, so that's a good thing. Uh, The candle of joy is we uh, reflect on the joy that we find in the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, to to come and rescue us from our sins and do what he did on our behalf. We're also uh, reciting the Nicene Creed in front of your seat. You should see a little white slip. Just go and pull that out. It's also going to be on the screen. We're going to stand together, and we're going to recite this creed together before we uh, open God's word. So here's what it says. Let's say it together. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him, all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day, he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Yes, and grab a seat. Home for Christmas. As we look at these uh, qualities, these characteristics of who Jesus is. So far, uh, we have talked about Jesus being humble, and we've talked about Jesus being a servant And today we're going to talk about Jesus being divine. Jesus being divine. So if you missed any of the sermons, you can go back to the website, uh, our website, and watch those. I would encourage you to check that out. But today we're going to be in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. If you want to turn there together, open your Bibles, your Bible app. Uh, It'll also be on the screen as we read that together. John chapter 1, Jesus is divine. And before we dive into the scriptures, let me just kind of lay some context for what is happening in the book of John, because every week we've opened a different uh, passage together, pointing to different characteristics of who Jesus is. So in the gospel of John, 
Um, John is written by the disciple and the apostle John from Jesus' inner circle. The inner circle that followed him closely, walked with him, that he called to be his disciples. And he's writing this book to Jews and Gentiles. Two groups of people from the city of Ephesus, which was one of the most important urban centers of the Roman Empire. So he's writing to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and you could tell as you read throughout the book of John as he uh, aims to relate to both groups of people as he writes this letter. And as he's writing this letter, um, he is evangelistic in his writing. He wants people to uh, learn about Jesus and come to know Jesus, but John is also extremely deep in his writing. We're going we're gonna to read some deep stuff today as John kicks off the prologue of this book. So John doesn't just want people to come to know Jesus. John wants people to uh, dis- be discipled and grow in Jesus as well. And as he writes this book, his main purpose was to share that the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus, has come. And he uses evidence from the signs and works of Jesus, what Jesus did, but he also uses the witnesses and the proclamations of others preparing the way for Jesus, such as himself and John the Baptist, as we kind of learned in our V-Kids story this morning. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus as well. And Jesus is now the new temple of worship. This is important because this audience had experienced the Jerusalem temple was destroyed in A.D. 70 before the Gospel of John was written. So there was this idea that people were maybe struggling to know where to worship, what to do about worship, since their temple was destroyed. And John says, no, Jesus has now come. We worship Jesus in the flesh. He's the Son of God for us to worship. And he's divine. He is God, fully man and fully God. So as we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, this morning... I want to give you four truths from these 18 verses about the divinity of Jesus and how this can relate to our lives, okay? Truth number one is that the Son has always been. The Son has always been. Look at verses 1 through 3 of John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Son has always been. So as we read these first few verses, we, we see uh, this phrase, right? The Word was God, and the Word was with God. We have to unpack what that phrase, the Word, means first. And the Greek meaning of uh, the, the word, the word, the Greek meaning of that, the Greek word that explains that is called logos, okay? Logos. And essentially, logos means the message and expression of the essence of the human soul by which everything exists. Think about that. Logos, the word, is the essence and the message, the expression of the human soul by which everything exists. And the, the, the scripture says, in the beginning. Does that sound familiar to anybody this morning? It does, right? If you've read the Bible before, particularly the first page of the Bible, the very beginning, you've read the phrase in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. 
And that is intentional because as John is kicking off the prologue, the beginning of this gospel, he is showing us that the Son, who was also the Word, was a reality from the very beginning. The Son has not been created. The Son was not an afterthought. The Son has always been. To help us exp- uh, understand this a little bit more, I want you to look at Genesis 1.26. It's on the screen. Uh, Genesis 1.26. This is after God had created everything. He'd created uh, the waters, the land, the animals, everything, right? And he saves his last piece of creation his, of us, of humans, for the end, right? And Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. I, wanna, I want you to look at a few words there, specifically us, our, and our. Okay, if God is creating everything, and he's creating humans, Adam and Eve, in the image of God, who is us and who is our? Think about that. Some people say, uh, some people think that that is angels, right? As God created the humans in all of creation, angels were with him. That could be possible. Some say that us and our is like divine heavenly beings. That's possible, but that's not the point of the passage, The point of the passage, ultimately, is us and our is the Trinity. Who's the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. So as as we reflect on who we are, are we made in the image of angels? No, we are not. Are we made in the image of divine beings of some sort? No. Who are we made in the image of? And God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is the first uh, reference of the Trinity that we read about in the Bible, okay? So as you think about that, as you process that reality, and you think about the Word was God and the Word was with God, the Word is the Son, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, and the Son ultimately is Jesus, Jesus was sent, the Son was sent to us in the person of Jesus to save us. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Therefore, the Son has always been. He came down to us in the person of Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 8, Before Abraham was, I am. Okay, let's think about this for a minute. Some of you may be confused. I mean, this is... As I was studying this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is like so much to take in. Like, number one, we're never going to comprehend the Trinity. So if you have, please let me know. I'd love to pick your brain on that. Um, But this is a, a quality of God that we as human beings are incapable of understanding. But what it should do is draw us to a place of worship and humility before God of who He is, right? But if you think about it, maybe you're kind of confused. You're like, hang on a second. I thought Jesus didn't show up till the birth in Bethlehem. What's Christmas all about, right? That's a good question. What we need to remember with the birth of Jesus is that Jesus came to us sent by the Father as the Son. 
He didn't show up in his birth for the first time as the second person of the Trinity. He was already there. He was with the Father. He was with the Father in heaven from the very beginning of time. But God saw our sin and saw our brokenness and loved us so much that he chose to send the second person of the Trinity to us. And he was born and they named him Jesus. And Jesus came and did what he did only because he was God. That's the only way he could die and and rise again and forgive us from our sins. Because he, in fact, was God. He was sent by the Father as the Son in the person and the name of Jesus to save us. So Jesus is not an afterthought. Jesus is the Son sent to us. Does that make sense? Therefore, the Son has always been. Raise your hand if your mind is blown right now. Not many hands are up. That's impressive. Okay. Maybe I did a bad job explaining it, but anyways, the Son has always been. Truth number two, Jesus the Son is the light and the life. Jesus the Son is the light and life. Look at verses four through nine. Keep reading. John says, in him, the word, Jesus, the Son, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Jesus, the Son, is the light in life. So now we've defined who the Word is. Okay? That's very important. Number one, the Word is the Son of God the second person of the Trinity, Jesus sent to us. We've defined who that is. Now what John does is he takes this deep truth and brings it to our level and brings it to our lives and reminds us that Jesus is the light and the life that was sent on our behalf. And he does this. He talks about John the Baptist, right? This messenger of Jesus. We, I love the picture we had up here of Mary and Elizabeth, right? They were related and John the Baptist would prepare the way for his cousin Jesus to come and save people from their sins. He prepared the way from the Messiah, and he preached about repentance and faith, and he said, I'm not Jesus, but I'm coming to tell you about Jesus. He's coming soon. And Jesus comes, and he brings the light and the life, and he enters into this world that's full of sin and brokenness that he himself created. This quote from a a commentary D.A. Carson commentary says this about this reality is that Jesus, the Word, has invaded the created order that he himself made. When you think about that, when you think about the reality of Jesus actually leaving heaven in his complete holiness and divinity and choosing to put on flesh to do what he did for us, we should be overwhelmed by that reality, that he left glory and came to this broken world that he actually created, but rebelled against him, yet he still came. Jesus is the physical presence of God brought to people. You want to know what God looks like? You look at his son, Jesus. You want to know who God is? You want to understand the character and the qualities of God and how we unpack who God is in relation to us? 
you look at Jesus. He's the physical presence of God brought to you and me. He's the light and the life. John 8, 12 through 14 says this. Jesus is in his ministry, and he's teaching, and he says, he spoke to them, and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. But Jesus said, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Jesus makes the craziest claim anyone could ever make. He claims to be God. Have any of you guys ever done that before? I didn't think so. (laughs) That's quite a claim to make, isn't it? Okay, so Jesus shows up, born of a virgin through the Holy Spirit and Mary, lives his life, begins his ministry, knowing he was going to the cross, and along the way, claimed to be God. And the Pharisees are like, dude, you can't call yourself God. That's the 2021 language, right? You can't claim to be God. What kind of claim are you making? And Jesus says, I actually can make this claim because I am God. I was sent from heaven by the Father as the Son to come save you. And I'm going to die for your sins and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to go back to heaven. So where I am right now with you, this is not where I'm going to stay because I belong with my Father but I've come to bring you light and life because I love you and I am God. And he's the light and the life that we all need and we're all ultimately looking for. Think about it. Think about Christmas lights. You know, everybody hates on people that put, puts their tree and lights up before Thanksgiving. You know, whatever. Uh, I had mine up before Thanksgiving and, you know, judge me all you want. Maybe you did too. Uh, you know, but I think, you know, let's think about it. The past couple years have been very, very difficult, and life is just difficult these days, like more difficult maybe than they have been before for some of us. And when we put Christmas lights up and we look at Christmas decor, I mean, probably just looking at this fireplace gives you the warm fuzzies, right? You're not even looking at me. You're just, you're mesmerized by the fireplace. I don't blame you. Um, But all these lights and decorations, like, we really enjoy them. We put our tree up early Maybe, because some of us needed a glimpse of hope sooner rather than later. We didn't want to wait till Christmas time to be reminded of hope. We wanted to experience hope ASAP, right? We all need hope. And I think when we look at lights, we look at Christmas decorations, it's a glimpse of hope. Now, I want you to go a step further. If you know Jesus Christ today, watching online or here and you have given your life to Jesus, when you look at Christmas lights, you're reminded of hope. Hopefully, you're then immediately directed and pointed to the ultimate hope that's found in the Son of God, Jesus. So the lights serve as a reminder to point your affections and your attention to a greater hope, right? But think about this. What if the lights and the decor and all the Christmas glamour and the commercialized Christmas and everything, what if that was just taken away from us? There were no Christmas lights to look at. There were no decorations. There was no 
whatever, Christmas events and different things we do. There was just this time of year. My question for you would be, is the hope of Jesus still enough for you? Are you still reminded that the ultimate hope is not found in flashy lights and decor? The ultimate hope surpasses that symbol and goes straight to the Messiah of Jesus. It's okay to enjoy Christmas lights. It's okay to enjoy these fun things, but we should not rely on those things in themselves to be our ultimate hope. We should allow them to uh, position us and point us to the greatest hope of all and God sending his son for us. But Jesus came as a light and life. That's not like a coincidence, that language. We need the light and the darkness, and we need life in the midst of death. And Jesus came and brought those things to us. He's the light and the life. Truth number three. Jesus the Son was rejected. Jesus the Son was rejected. Look at verses 9 through 11. John chapter 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus the Son was rejected. The one who came to bring light and life to all of creation was rejected by much of the creation that he created. Now, if we think about this, this is pretty obvious today in the world we live in. Many, many, many people reject Jesus. They did in that time period. They continue to do the same today. There's something about the name of Jesus that makes people do something, right? You either reject him and you say, I'm good, I don't want anything to do with him, or you surrender to him, but many reject him. But even more than that, what this is actually talking about as well is his own people rejected him, the Jews. Jesus was born under the law. He was born under that context, right, in the law, the, most, the nation of Israel. He was born in that context to be able to fulfill the law and relate to those that were burdened by the law and the old covenant. He came to bring the new covenant, so he's born in these conditions in the law, under the law, born of woman and born under the law so that he can relate to people and he can fulfill the law and he can say, I have brought you freedom from this now. But many didn't like that because many people wanted like a political leader. The Jews were oppressed by the Romans and all these different things and they wanted political freedom. They wanted a political leader or a... Uh, intense, powerful leader of some sort to come in and wipe out everything they didn't like. That's what, they, that's what many Jews wanted. But what did Jesus come to do? He didn't do that. He was born to die. He did what they actually needed him to do, but they didn't know they needed it. But he was rejected by many. None of us like rejection. You know, just think about it for a minute. None of us enjoy being rejected. Whether it's something as silly as when you were growing up and you asked somebody out and they said, no way, right? Some of you are married to that person today. It's kind of cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> or it could be uh, all types of rejection. Think about it. Who's throwing a Christmas party this year? Anybody? 
Anybody throwing a Christmas party? Or are you? Come on, nobody? Oh my gosh, I want to go to a party. Okay, I'm coming over. Thank you. One party this year. Okay, who's going to a party? All right, wow, okay. We need to throw more parties around here. Hospitality was one of those deep and wide. Y'all remember that? Anyways, we'll come back to that. Uh, okay, think about hypothetically, say you're going to throw a party next year. Um, and you get ready for the party and you, uh, you gather everything you need. You, send the, you, you make the invite list. You gather all the in- invitations. You send the invitations. You cook the best food. You get everything ready. You uh, have the best music playlist. You have the best games, all the fun stuff. Your house is decked out. People are starting to show up. You know, I think about immediately when I think about this, I think about the movie Elf. It's a classic, right? Anybody like Elf? It's probably never going to get old. Like, it's been around a while now. But this scene is essentially Buddy the Elf leaves the North Pole to come and meet his family, right? And he's in the mall, and you guys know what happens in the mall. He goes crazy with uh, decorating the mall, right? And uh, people go home, and he stays at the mall. Uh, I think he stays overnight, and he just goes nuts. Like, the whole place looks like the North Pole by the next day. Everybody shows back up to work. They see everything, and they are not happy, to say the least, right? He gets in trouble, and uh, he also gets in a fight with Santa Claus, if you remember that. And then after all of these chaotic events that he has drawn all this attention to himself and to everybody, he gets rejected and he gets kicked out of the mall, right? So back to the Christmas party idea. Say you did everything that you needed to do to throw the best party. And everybody shows up and they immediately come to you and tell you, this is the worst party I've ever been to. And you're like, what? I did all these things, I, I, all these preparations. This is great. The, the, the music's awful. What are these crazy things hanging on the wall? Did you not call anybody to help you decorate it? Looks awful, this and that, and I'm, I'm having a terrible time. Let's all leave together, but I'm going to take the food with me. Thanks for the food, but bye. I'm done, and I'm never coming back over here again, right? And it's this personal rejection of something that you've done to serve someone, to put on a good time, to show hospitality, right? To get on someone's level, to love on someone and care for them, yet in return, they look at you and say, what is this? And they leave. Many of you have experienced that on a personal level in some regard. Maybe you've done that to someone else. Whatever rejection may look like for you, we've all experienced it in some capacity. But what I want us to know is that when Jesus came, remember, he's the word, He's the Son of God. When He came down, His whole ministry was full of rejection. Not everything was rejection. Many followed Him and and loved Him and served Him, and He did amazing things, but so many people, the entire time, all the way up to His death, rejected Him. Yet, He continued to endure just so He could get to the cross for you and me. He knew what was coming. He knew the rejection was coming. But he still walked through this journey of rejection to bring us salvation. Jesus the Son was rejected. The last thing I want us to see is that Jesus the Son adopts us into his family. Jesus the Son 
adopts us into his family. Verses 12 through 18, we're going to read all of that together. It says, verses 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, but he has made him known. Jesus the Son adopts us into his family. We've talked about rejection. The reality is there's only two groups here, okay? You either reject the Messiah or you follow the Messiah. So Jesus, or John, is now transitioning and saying, Okay, many rejected him, many Jews and many people rejected him. But on the flip side, many have followed him. Many have seen his glory and seen that he is the son of God, seen that he is who he claims to be. He is light and life, and they have followed him. And now those people are adopted into God's family. And this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Those that would, by faith, believe in the future first coming of Jesus and his birth, those in the present of the book of John that would see Jesus in the flesh and trust in his salvation right then and there, and those that would, after the resurrection of Jesus, believe in the finished work of Jesus on their behalf and the resurrection through the early church, the Holy Spirit, we live in that day still. All of these time periods, Jesus connects history together. And all of these people that would follow him and trust in him are adopted into his family. Adopted. The word dwelt, I love that. The text says he dwelt. What does dwelt mean? He dwelt among us. That means like, it's like pitching a tent. Or the word tabernacle. The Old Testament, the nation of Israel would often go to the tabernacle to worship, to experience the presence of God. Remember, at, at a time when, when Israel was moving around, God would go with them through that tent. They would pitch this tent and go into the presence. They would make sacrifices to God, right? They would worship him and go to a place to experience God's glory and presence. He dwelt among them. He tabernacled with them. But now, Jesus is that tabernacle, he is the dwelling of God among people. But even better than that now, because he, he's not physically with us right now. He's in heaven, but he sent his Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit is now the tabernacle of Jesus in us. We carry him with us. We're adopted. We're brought in. And we're brought into the family of God along with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ, you're adopted into that family. If you don't know Jesus Christ, 
you are not in that family. But you can be if you would trust in this Jesus. If you would understand that you're a sinner and confess your sins to God, be broken before him, understanding your need for him. If you would repent of your sins and say, God, I'm yours. This life isn't working. I confess and I repent. And thirdly, God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, to save me. You'll be adopted into his family. Pastor Brick wrapped up his sermon last week, I think, talking about adoption, and I'm doing the same today. And as he talked about it, one thing that he said that stood out to me was this idea that when you're adopted, you experience all of the blessings of that family. Maybe you're not born into that family biologically, but that doesn't matter. You're brought into the family. Therefore, all the rights, all the blessings, all the gifts are yours completely from now into eternity. We are adopted. As the band makes their way up, I want you to reflect once again on these four truths about Jesus being divine. Truth number one is that the Son has always been. We do not worship a God that was an afterthought. We worship a God who's always existed. And he created all things. Secondly, Jesus the Son is the light and life. Nothing else is going to give you light and life this Christmas season, any season for that matter, other than Jesus, guys. He is the light and life that you and I are looking for. Only him. Number three, Jesus the Son was rejected. The God that you and I serve has not always been followed and loved by everyone. He was rejected. But lastly, the son, Jesus, adopts us into his family. So a closing question I want you to think about. Do you feel the awe, the wonder, and the weight of the, the divinity of Jesus? He's humble, he's a servant, but he's divine. Do you feel that? And this Christmas season, will you allow that truth to draw you to a place of worship and abiding in him and longing for him. I want to give you three quick questions to write down or take a picture of these as we respond and as we reflect this week. Number one, do you know Jesus? I'll get to that in just a minute once again, but have you given your life to Jesus? Do you know him? Number two, how will you worship Jesus the Son this Advent season? How will you worship him? How will you Draw your affections and your mind and your attention to him. And number three, how are you being light and life to others? Because you have the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. You have Jesus in and through you. If Jesus was light and life, we're called to be light and life. Let's pray and then respond. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the weight of this reality, the weight of the gospel, the weight of the divinity of Jesus that you came for us and our brokenness and our rebellion. You humbled yourself and came to us. But while you came to us, you had complete divinity at the same time. Accomplishing what only you could accomplish. So God, this Christmas season today, help us to draw near to you 
and gratitude and worship at your divinity. In Jesus' name, amen.